You're listening to Overtired on ESN. I'm Christina Warren. And I'm Brett Terpstra. What's up, Brett? I, uh, I don't know. There's a lot. Doing this every other week means there's so much stuff that I start, like, stuff starts falling off the, the far end. And I forget about it. <laughs> but I did finally catch up on making a murderer. Yes. Okay. I I don't know. I think he's guilty of sin. You do? Do you really? I do. Of the of the the all three charges. I don't know if all three, but I think he was involved, and I think he. I don't think he's innocent. Now, That's having, uh, having said that. I do believe there's probably been at least one miscarriage of justice. I don't, by me saying I think he's guilty, it doesn't mean I think that he got a fair trial. I want to be very clear about that. Well, see, there's a fine line in the legal world between guilty and innocent. Yes. Uh, there's innocent and not guilty. Yes. And, 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 and I would honestly probably say, like, um, that, uh, I, you know, I've always had the kind of the philosophy that I would much rather, like, a guilty person go free than an innocent person be convicted. Like it's yes. like it, as, as problematic as that is, like that's how I feel. And I don't necessarily, I don't believe he got a fair trial. And so having said that, I don't know if he deserves to be where he is right now in that case. Having said that, I'm not, I didn't buy the narrative of the filmmakers that he was just, you know, this, this guy who has, you know, these terrible things have just happened to. I feel like, See, but for me, the, the purpose, the point that the filmmakers made was not necessarily that he was a goody two shoes. I mean, clearly he wasn't. Um, but that if the trial was as they kind of portrayed it, it should have been thrown out. There, there should absolutely not have been a conviction. No. And I agree with that. I, I, I agree with that. And so I would be okay with it, the, his conviction being overturned, even though I do believe he was involved, but it makes it to me, it's difficult, I guess, and kind of the thing where people are like, Oh, this, this, this innocent man is, is stuck in jail. I don't believe that. Now, that doesn't mean that he shouldn't still get off or at least have a retrial based on actual evidence and yeah. and have actual lawyers work for him. And and certainly the fact that he was wrongly convicted of, of, of rape was terrible and that he served all the time. That's terrible. And, like, I, I don't want to take anything away from that. And I think there is a greater conversation to be had. And Innocence Project has even kind of weighed in on this and whether or not, like, does being falsely incarcerated, does that create – you know, an ecosystem where you could become abusive and, and murder someone. And I think that there's an argument made that that absolutely happened. Part of my problem, I guess, with, with some of the response, the people who are, I guess, like are, are pro him, a, some of the people who've just gone out and attacked the woman who was raped, who feels terrible about the fact that she was, she, you know, think right. the wrong person. And, and honestly, that wasn't her fault. That was a situation where the way the lineup was done was was wrong. The cops messed up. You know, he was both in the photo lineup and in the physical lineup. So she sees the same person in both places. They've kind of you know constructed this thing of this is who this guy is. She's going to pick him from a lineup. You know, and um, she's still a victim. You know, I mean, what what happened to her was terrible. So part of it, I feel like people who, including him and like his family and supporters, who just want to attack her, it's like, no, hold up. You know. Like, See, I think the most offensive thing to me about the whole situation was the amateur frame job. Yeah. Like, they did the bare minimum necessary yeah. to get a judge who was already in cahoots with them to come across with a verdict and a jury who seven out of 11 of them were going to vote innocent when they went into the room and then that didn't happen. That's weird. Yeah. No three people are that persuasive anyway i guess my, the thing that most offended me is that now me living in minnesota i am associated with these really backwards people that i, I don't want everyone to think that's what the midwest is like because i don't know those people that's wisconsin and only a small part of wisconsin leave me alone <laughs> You're like, I'm not, I'm not this, but yeah. But I mean, but I think that it, you say it's not the Midwest, but I mean, it is kind of indicative of maybe not the Midwest, but small, small towns in general and kind of the problem with a lot of our legal systems. Sure. But that 
atmosphere was almost more like Arkansas than the upper Midwest. Okay, so, but, okay, but, but I, I don't get it. It's, it's okay for us to, like, stereotype the South and say that the South and Texas and Arkansas and Georgia and Alabama are, are shitholes and, and have miscarriages of justice. How does the Midwest somehow become absolved from that? Because if you look back at the history of the West and especially the frontier stuff, there's some pretty, like, terrible things that have happened throughout that history, too. I, I guess I'm understanding, like, other than the fact that you're from Minnesota, I don't really understand why you're wanting to defend the pride of the Midwest when, frankly, I think, like, small towns in general are problematic. If you look at any map of politics or prison convictions or spending on art programs or anything, Minnesota is always the same color as New York. Nothing around it is. But Minnesota is a solid blue state. We have the highest uh, spending on the arts, uh, one of the highest on education. Like, this is more of an East Coast state than anything around it. Like, we're surrounded by deep south red. Like, the Bible Belt creeps up to our belly. But we have, since the 60s, been a very progressive state. So I do exclude myself from comparisons to Mississippi and Arkansas and Wisconsin. That's fair. I mean, you, you can certainly do that. I just, um, I, I, I guess, I, I, I look at it and I'm like, wow, why is the Midwest so special because we are <laughs> it's it's just fact it's just if you look at expenses that tells a huge story right there but like i said like i don't even like i live on the wisconsin border i don't like going over there it's... they made scott walker <laughs> who then attempted to run for president early on that wasn't gonna happen though although okay so Cruz beat trump and iowa is that right yeah. Hmm. So it was Cruz, Trump, and Rubio. So the real story was, was that Rubio came in third. He was only a point behind Trump, and Cruz wow. won. So, but the real story is Rubio kind of like... The comeback kid, yeah. just like he said he would be. Yeah. Interesting. Um, You know, Trump, of course, is, is, is trying to pretend like it doesn't matter, and, and it might not. I mean, North Carolina is really going to be where the GOP... Uh, race takes off, you know, that, that, that's really going to be, once we start getting into Super Tuesday places, the South, that's where it's really going to matter. But it, it, it certainly is um, interesting that, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm at least, I feel better that Rubio performs so well because I, I don't want to live in a world where the, the Republican candidate and thus somebody who is, you know, has a 50-50 shot at being our president is either of those two people. Yeah, I'm with you. My next guest on Systematic was uh, or will be Jamel Bowie from Slate Magazine, their political correspondent. Oh, very cool. Chief Chief political editor. I don't remember his exact title, but he is uh, he heads up uh, the election reporting for Slate, and he was really fun to talk to. I recorded that last week. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that. No, I I love what Slate has always done. I mean, they've been around for so long now, but I, I love their political reporting. Yeah, me too. I was really excited that he wanted to do it. In fact, one of the very first podcasts I ever listened to was the Sleep Political Gap Fest. Really? Yeah. Which I okay. think still exists in some way, but like, I mean, you know, this is probably from for the 2004 election was probably when I started listening to it. There were podcasts in 2004? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I knew that. I had Adam Christensen on once. He, he had a podcast from the beginning. Anyway, um... So, we, Making a Murder was kind of a binge for us. We were just going to watch one episode, and then we ended up finishing it by the next morning. Um, but there's a new one on Netflix from Chelsea Handler. Yeah, Chelsea I like it. Does. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I love when her, her walking into Twitter. <laughs> yes. I love her so much. I love her, too. I feel like my wife and I would get along with her just like aces. Same. And like the women that she's friends with, like her IRL friends... And yes, I did just say IRL, sorry. But her, her uh, real life friends are like Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon and people <laughs> like that. And like you can kind of imagine them all having a good time, like getting drunk. Yeah. Partying. Well, I, uh, the, the scenes where she's just having wine at the table with you know, her friends are always entertaining. But more than anything, I just love her uh, very cynical <laughs> and self-deprecating view. I don't know. I, I have a blast watching her. So I'm really glad they did this series because it's it's like the real her, not just a talk show her. 
Yeah, I like talk show her though too. Though I really I do. did. I do. I mean, I wouldn't watch it to begin with if if I didn't. But yeah, this this I feel is a deeper look into her as a person. It's been it really certainly fun. is. It's, it's it's kind of like her, you know, um, you know, Amy Schumer type of style show. You know, kind of yeah. Um, less less sketch. Less but. sketch for sure. Oh, but it's funny because uh, uh, Chelsea lately, like I think before Chelsea lately, like, she actually had a sketch show. Well, that used to have sketch stuff on it before, but she had a sketch show on E2, I believe. And and that's how I was first kind of aware of her and some of her stand-up stuff. But she's she's really great. Um, I really – I enjoy her quite a bit. I did watch her last stand-up special, and that was very good too. There was a, okay, 2012 to 2013, it says Love You, Mean It with Whitney Cummings, and she was on, like, five episodes of that, which I would like to go back and find. Yeah. And uh, pretty wild. But it shows the Chelsea Handler show is her first, like, listed credit. Yeah, well, that was, that was, yeah, that was. So Chelsea Lately was the um, um, late night show. Right. And the Chelsea Handler show was more of a sketch thing. And then she took some of the ah. people from the sketch, including like the guy who played like a Chewy, who played like her little assistant guy. He actually got a start on the, the, the Chelsea Handler show where she did this kind of like sketch mock thing where she was like at the time there was like the Andy Dick show or experiment or whatever. There were these shows like the assistant where people would like audition to be someone's personal assistant. So she did something like that herself, and she found finds this this Mexican guy Chewy, and and she gives him all these tasks to do, like make her like a dream board and, and like a, a vision board rather, and things like that, and and it just was very funny, and he kind of became her sidekick for like the rest of the show, and then when she started the um, late night show, um, he was like you know one of one of her people on her panel and kind of like her her Geldman or whatever. Nice. All right. Well, those are the two shows I really wanted to talk about. I have a few other listed. Are there any you would like to? Uh, other than The Bachelor, which we don't want to talk about on this podcast, no. We really don't. I no, tried we watching don't. a clip from The Bachelor I, we, just we don't to need, piss my wife off. My we don't wife need off. to. We don't need to. It's fine. I have another podcast just for that. Part, so we don't okay. need to talk about okay. it at all. So it's completely fine. All right. Um, I assume you saw the new X-Files. Yes. I've seen the first two. I haven't seen the third one. The third one... It, it, like the thing that I was really hoping they were going to do this go around was shy away from the just kind of one episode subplots that didn't really advance the conspiracy plot at all. But that's what the third one is. They go back to finding monsters and whatnot. So it's still fun. And oh, Scully's so hot still. Yeah, she is. Except in the scenes where they have her like in the lab where she has her hair kind of like held back, kind of yeah. partially like in the first episode. I didn't love her hair that way. Like when her hair is down, it looks good. When it's back, I don't love it. But she's still so hot. I think I think she's actually hotter now. I don't know why. But I she... think so too. Well, I think that well, a I think her body's actually better than it was. B she's aged really well. Um, she has. I, either because she's had good work or, or she's done something else. I don't really care. If she has had work done, it is not noticeable at all. And I can usually, I can usually tell, and I'm usually bothered by nose jobs and lip enhancements and face tucks, but she doesn't look like it. So I don't care if she has, she did it right. Anyway, enough about the the sexy people of sci-fi nerd shows. <laughs> so you saw you said something about spotlight yes so um it's a movie that's nominated for a bunch of oscars it won the sag award for best ensemble which actually means it has a shot at winning best picture um and um it, it's been up for a bunch of awards so it is about the team of journalists which is the the spotlight which is basically the boston globe's investigative um uh unit and it's the the oldest and, and longest running like investigative journalism unit i think like of every of any newspaper in, in the country it's been around since the 70s where it literally is just dedicated to you know investigative stories and they were the it was the group who broke the um the boston you know uh priest scandal wide open right. you know it, father gagan obviously that was unopened but then they were able to kind of show that there were like 90 priests in boston and you know thousands of victims um, and, and that it went all the way to the top. Um, and in one Pulitzer Prize, you know, for the reporting, but it's kind of, it's the story about how that happened and, and what happened at the newspaper. Um, and it's really, really good because 
A, it's one of the best journalism movies I've ever seen in, in, in terms of how it actually shows how journalism works. Um, it shows the actual process. Um, and what I also really appreciated about it was that they it doesn't lionize or, 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 you know, make the, the journalists themselves out to be heroes. You know, they're doing a job and they're obviously expo- exposing something very important and, and they're working their butts off, but it's not as if, as if they're saving the world and it doesn't present them that way, which I really appreciate. I think it's one of the best you know, like journalism films out there. I would put it up there, obviously, with all the President's Men and, and the paper, um, which uh, to me were kind of up there as, as, as like ones that actually show what it's like. But I, I watched it and I just I was so impressed with the acting and with the writing and the direction and the subtlety in it. Rachel McAdams is really good in it. Uh, she plays um, she has a supporting role and she plays, you know, one of the reporters. And, and again, like there's this one scene where she's confronting um, someone. She knocks on a door and someone answers that she's not expecting to answer. And just her whole response, like her whole acting in that moment and that scene is so natural. I mean, her whole performance is so natural. Like it's, she's not over the top at all. She's not affected. Like it really feels like an embodiment role and it was so good. Leave Schreiber who plays the outsider editor in chief who came in and, and kind of encouraged them to look at the story and kind of said, Hey, actually this is something you guys should do. And cause originally the, the rest of the paper was kind of like, meh, this isn't really a story for us. And he said, no, you should dig deeper and look into this. And it obviously ended up becoming a, a huge blockbuster story. Um, he's really, really good. Uh, all of the actors are really good. Mark Ruffalo is really good. Michael Keaton is really good. Um, it's just, if you care about journalism or, or about the process of it at all, I think it's really important. And, and, and again, I think because it doesn't like lift the journalists up to be these like larger than life heroes, which a film like all the president's men does to a certain degree. And, um, I love that film and I love that book. And, and obviously, you know, um, what, what they did was, was amazing, you know, but it took down a presidency. But this, I feel like, was a more true testament to what it's really like to be a reporter. Interesting. Um, and, and obviously nothing I've ever covered or done is, is on any scale of scope, you know, <laughs> of any of this. Like, I can't relate to that in a sense. But it was interesting to kind of see this is a way you can visualize and, and show the world what it's like to, to be a journalist. And, and most journalism movies fail at that. You know, they just show people kind of typing and 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 you know yakking on the phone and it's 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 not the it's not what it is and and this managed to do it in a really really smart way so I would recommend anybody seeing it um, and uh, Rachel McAdams won't win the Oscar um, although the, I thought she was really good I don't necessarily know if she deserves to win it but she, that she was really good but it has a, a very good shot of Best Picture and it's a really good film and what's interesting is that one of the the producers behind it was actually First Look Media which is you know the people behind the Intercept. Um, and Pierre Amundsen. Um, no, it, it's a news website. It's Glenn, Glenn oh. Greenwald's the website that Glenn Greenwald now works that for. That makes more sense. Right. Um, so it's interesting that First Look Media, like you know, helped produce the film. Um, you know, which I'm sure will pay off in dividends for them. There's a bit of an irony in that today, and that they, it turns out, had been employing someone who made stuff up full stop and was kind of a Jason Blair um, on a lot of levels. So. Um, they're going to have some uh, stuff to answer for in terms of some of their reporting. But I do like that, that Pierre Amadidiar, uh, however the hell you say his last name, who owns First Look Media, disclosure, they're in our office, although I've never met any of them. Um, they, they share the same building as us and with Gawker. Um, it's interesting that you know he like put all this money into that organization and that one of the things they would do would be to fund this this film, which uh, was really great, really well done, and um, is probably going to win a couple of Oscars. Cool. I, I noticed it's not streaming anywhere. It's not. So. It's still in theaters. Yeah. Not my theater. My theater is crap. But. I have a feeling by March it'll be streaming. You know, it'll be one of those things that came out in November, and it's, it's, it's you know, this is definitely a prestige film. You know, it's kind of one of those. So, um It'll probably be out, I would say, probably end of March. All right. That sounds cool. I think uh, I think the awe that Americans have for journalism has decreased rapidly over the last decade, but um, it would be cool to actually see the people who are doing the work or, you know, a fictionalization, but it sounds like a good one. Yeah. It's definitely really good. Did you see um, Straight Outta Compton? 
Yes. Did you I, like I, it? I loved it. Were you an NWA fan? Yes. But, I mean, obviously way after. I mean, because I was <laughs> like five. But, um, yeah, big NWA fan. Big. And um, I thought, I, you know, um, casting Ice Cube's son was so smart. Oh, yeah, he was perfect. A, they were he, all really good. They were him. all cast so well. But, 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 but Cube's son, who looks just like him, and A, he was a really good actor, which I would say was probably the most important thing. He was actually a really good actor. But he, um, it was just, it was eerie, you know? Yeah. It had to be Definitely. eerie for for some of them watching it because they all looked the part and they all seemed the part. It had to be eerie for, for you know, the, the three of them that survived to, like, watch watch that, you know? I think my favorite part was the portrayal of easy E's saga yeah um because i think that kind of got buried and there was as all the you know the fake beefs kind of spread around easy E's death kind of i don't know for for me in white america upper midwest white america easy e just kind of faded away but his story was actually very compelling it was very compelling well i mean he died of aids is one thing um and i think that when he died of aids you know it was um still a rare thing to happen in in the black community especially it wasn't something you really wanted to talk about so i right. think that was part of it when there were a lot of assumptions that went oh, there were a lot of it. assumptions exactly that would go along with that and also you know i mean he died unfortunately you know his death was was eclipsed by the death of of, of, of biggie about six months later and 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 or not big uh, biggie two box six months later and then and then biggie a year after that so because you know yeah, he didn't make the press because he hadn't made a really good album for quite some time. Exactly, exactly. In, in in the terms of releases at that time. Precisely. He, I mean, he even if he was kind of like they call him like the Godfather of gangster rap, like things had changed, and you know, Dre had moved on, right? Like Dre right. was Dre had moved on with Snoop, and and and, and was Cube shook. had moved on solo. More exactly. Or less, so. Precisely, and and he hadn't really you know um, gone to to where uh, he he should have like been, you know, and so. Yeah, um, it, it it's weird if, if you ever want to get into like the weird internet, which I know we both enjoy. Um, the the conspiracy theorists who believe that he was like murdered because they think that like he what oh he wasn't showing any signs. How could he suddenly have AIDS and then die? It's like well sometimes that's how it happens, you know. Right. I mean that and 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 this was an arrow. He probably had been sick for a long time and just didn't you know, show the signs and it, it is what it is. But I think that if he had died in a different way, his legacy would be different, which I think is a shame because that speaks to a lot of assumptions about a lot of things. But I think especially in 1995, the way that he died meant that yeah. a lot of people were not going to, especially in, in the African-American community, were not going to want to have a conversation about it. Because as you said, the assumptions would be there that he got it because he had sex with men, which there's it, that's that was not the case, you know, and and obviously no. straight people can 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 get AIDS and die of AIDS, and that's happened too. But but in that world that he was making money and that was a very damaging accusation. Yes, and and unfortunately then that was still kind of still the mo, and and it's a shame too that he hadn't like never gone to the doctor or anything because you know by the time he died it was the era of the triple cocktail you know what i mean there was finally drugs for to to get people okay you know magic yeah. is still healthy like um and, and and magic was diagnosed before the triple cocktail but like it's it, it's a shame um it's also a shame i think that what happened what you know to again like you were saying because he didn't really have that hit album you know cube was doing his stuff and but dre was killing it you know like dre was was really like at the height of his of his drayness and I don't, I don't know i'd say he still is i'd say that the, the guy's enough of a genius that oh he is well what i mean is then in, <laughs> musically what i mean musically though yeah like no, musically because sure. now he's not right like he, right. well he's as a amazing. producer though sure he, he his production years i think outshone even his early i yes i agree career. i would agree but i'm just saying that like you had the era of dre working with tupac and and and, and snoop and and shogun you know, death row like that whole era was a humongous era and then the east versus west thing and 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 um you know uh easy e didn't get involved in any of that he wasn't part of that scene by by going solo by going with jerry heller like who Jerry Heller is not happy with how he was portrayed in the film, which <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, I've listened to some interviews with him that he's done like since that happened. Like he's still actually shopping separate Easy E biopics 
Um, and I, I want to be like, that's not going to happen. Like Probably it's been not. done. It, like, no, I mean, it would be a compelling and interesting story, but I think straight out of Compton was so well done and they yeah. had the involvement of all the surviving members. Yeah. You're not going to get better than that. I mean, the reason Suge is back in jail, the reason that Suge will probably never get out of prison is because he freaking shot people over this movie. <laughs> Did he really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. This is why Suge Knight is actually in jail and then had like a heart attack. Well, and- Suge Knight is in jail because he shoots people, but well, I didn't yes. know he did over this movie. Yes. While they were filming something, he like ro- rolls up to the set and he like starts shooting people. Like, yeah. Like. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah. His, his story is, it's an annoying story to me. I don't know. So many things could have been so much better without his muscle moving things yep. around. No, I agree. Violent I agree. Violent sociopath. He's terrible, terrible. It, 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 it's funny. Um, I always think about um, uh, Vanilla Ice, who has gone back and forth. Vanilla Ice is a liar. Uh, but he's he's gone back and forth about whether or not, like, he used to claim, like, Suge, like, held him, like, by his underwear, like, over a balcony or something, yeah. like, in the early 90s. And then he's like, oh, no, that never happened. And then he'll be like, oh, no, that happened. It's like, it probably didn't happen. But just the fact that, like, we all heard that story, we were like, yeah, I could believe that. It's like, about as believable as Vanilla Ice's career. <laughs> My favorite part of Vanilla Ice is that, like, when he was trying to explain how the sample of Under Pressure wasn't the same, because, see, it's got this little tick at the end. See, theirs goes, and ours goes, that was back in the two live crew. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, because of that, I mean, well, but I mean, it was after that. It it was was way after that. It was way after that. I mean, and and also that song was big enough that like Queen and David Bowie were like, actually, we're going to need to get paid. Well, and that makes sense. You're using our baseline. We're going to need to get paid, which, yeah, fair. Did they get paid? Yes, they got paid. They got songwriting credits. Yes, they got paid because that literally the entire like that that's genesis of that song. I mean, it's not it's not a. bittersweet symphony thing where they licensed <laughs> the live version of the rolling Stones song thought they paid everything thought they had it all legit and then the rolling stones lawyers turn around and are like actually now that this song has gone platinum even though this isn't that necessary to the song and even though it's a weird live version thing your license type wasn't correct so we're gonna need to get songwriting credits and all your money huh. i didn't know that happened either yeah and that's why that's why the that's why the verve uh, broke up I didn't know that. Of course, mm-hmm. I. if you had asked me, I wouldn't have known who did that song. I would probably would have guessed Oasis because I know them both about the same. Well, I mean, it, and, it, and Oasis would never admit this, but they would have loved to have written that song. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, okay. So this week, well, last week, a good friend of mine, one of my longest running friends, uh, his his kid at 24 years old he died. Oh my god! And they still aren't. They're still waiting for toxicology reports. They don't know what happened, but it was not suicide. But you know he, they they waited a week to have the funeral, and then I went to that funeral this weekend, and the the playlist that he put together while during the visitation that led into the service was amazing it was all like tom waits and janice joplin and exactly what it should have been and then the preacher gets up and over the course of 30 minutes tries to get everyone it was like billy graham style accept jesus into your heart let's take a moment turn your soul over to jesus and this was not what this family is it was i found it very very uncomfortable i was very grateful when the father got up and spoke because he, he he did it right. You know, like I really appreciated his kind of memories of his son. But I was so mad that they had an evangelical preacher. Who does that? <laughs> Who goes to a funeral to be saved by the blood of Christ? I don't know. It always feels weird to me when that stuff happens. Does that happen a lot? I don't know. I, I, I've been, I haven't had to go to a lot of funerals lately, which I'm, I'm very happy about. But... Um, yeah, I, that's bizarre. All right. So I, I made a list of things that you can and cannot do at my funeral. Okay. Um, I'm not going to read it to you, but I, I put it in a sort of living will includes things like you can't have a, a pastor give the service. 
you shouldn't probably have a service. Definitely no open casket. My body should be well burned up by then. And I think maybe what I really want to do is just have a shared like Spotify playlist that I send to people with a time and everyone has to like listen to it in the background of whatever they're doing at that time. And that's the whole funeral. That would be really interesting. So you kind of want to create like an interactive funeral sort of thing. Kind of a remote interactive funeral. You don't need I can to see travel that. to cry with my friends. You can be sad if you want to, but get over it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want, <laughs> I want life to go on, I guess. I'm not that important to anybody, and I don't say that out of... Nobody's that important to anybody. Yeah, I mean, but I think that people like to have the... The ritual, I think, for some people, not everybody, obviously, but it, but it can help them with... Yeah, well, and that's that's what I wrote the, the whole sermon off to, was, yeah. you know, people people turn to that for comfort. And, right. And I get that, but I wouldn't force that on everybody. I would offer that to people who felt the need, I guess, but... I don't know. I'm a complainer. I really enjoy complaining. That's what my funeral is going to be. It's just like a list of grievances lots and that lots I of post. Complaining. That would actually be pretty cool. So do you, remember, do you remember the TV show My Name is Earl? Yeah, yeah. So there was this great episode about this guy who um, died and, and Earl for some reason was trying to um, make amends to him and it ended up he died like a, a Murphy bread like fell on him or something and he ended up finding... Um, that like this guy, he like couldn't find anybody, any friends of this guy, like real life friends, but the guy had like a huge online community of friends and he was able to like invite everybody from his like online life to to celebrate his funeral. It was actually a really good episode. And I think that that would kind of be like the sort of funeral I would want. I have to look that, I I think I watched all of My Name is Earl, but I don't remember that one. So maybe I missed a few. It was like the second season, I think it was good. I should go back. I love that show. I loved that show, too. I love Jason Lee. I love Lee. that guy. Yeah. Ex-skater, gone actor. Yeah. Gone Scientologist. Um, Did he? He has been for many, for probably 25 years. Yeah. Oh. I know. I, it's he, disappointing, he, isn't it? Is he Thetan free yet? I, you know, I, I don't sure know. I hope so. I don't know, but I, I like Jason Lee. No, And I like Jamie Priestley. Um, what was her next show called? Oh, I don't remember, but it was. I liked it. It was pretty good. I like her. I, I she she played white trash so incredibly well. I don't know if that's a compliment. I'd want no. It was though because she's but... she's 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 not white trash, but she played it really well. <laughs> like she really did. She was just she kind of was a was a was a um, scene stealer. Yeah, yeah. No, she was she was perfect for the part. I'll give her that. Yeah. Um, I'm looking. Some... I'm trying to see what her next show was. Yeah, she did. Um, Raising Hope. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. She was about. on that one, yeah. I like that show with the, with the what's-her-face. Yeah, that uh, one show with that one lady. Martha Plimpton. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a show. What was it? Now I've forgotten. And she's also, she's on Mom. She's on that Mom show with Anna Faris and Allison Janney. I don't think I've even heard of that. That's one of those Chuck Lorre shows that's on CBS that a million people watch, but no one knows. And it's about Anna Ferris who goes back to live home with her mom. And, uh, yeah. Okay. It's okay. It's actually, and then, and then Anna Ferris has a kid too. Like it's actually, or it's two kids is actually, it's pretty funny. Anna Ferris is good in it. Did you get into the Big Bang? I know this is the yes. Big Bang Theory. It's a jump. Yes. I, my brain left. No, but. it is, but it's not a jump because Chuck Lorre is Big Bang Theory. Yes, I actually watched that show. Grant and I enjoy it despite ourselves. I've never been able to get into it. I feel like I should. I feel like it everything is to, there. Yeah, it, it hurt me to get into it and then I finally embraced it. I love the Penny character. I feel like she's great. And I feel like the actress who plays her is really good. And obviously the guy who plays uh, Sheldon, you know, the Aspie guy yeah, is, is, yeah. is great. But no, I like the show. It, it The one character that kind of drives me nuts and everybody likes her is, is Mayim Bialik, who plays like the, 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 the nerd scientist female. And I'll tell you why. She's great on it. She's fine. Blossom is fine. Whatever. She's one of those, in real life, she's one of those attachment parents. And I can't deal with that. What does that mean? That means they breastfeed until they're like 
they have teeth and like oh, walking in full right. sentences and they like sleep in the bed with them like all the time. Like it's weird. Why is that considered okay? I don't know. I don't know, but it's like, gross. There's nothing that I know of in the natural world that makes no, that. No, I agree. I agree. I, and, and so look, attachment parents who are listening to this podcast, I'm sorry. I don't get it. I don't get it. Send us email. But like, I don't genuinely get it. Like your four-year-old does not need to suck from your boob. Like that's if just Freud gross. was right about anything that will cause some serious problems down the line. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to think about that. No, it's, it's bothersome to think about. I've seen that portrayed on sitcoms, but no, I... it's a real thing. Huh? And she's like kind of the face of it. So it's gross. That is gross. All right, we won't talk about her then. She doesn't get my 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 speaking time. <laughs> but the show Big Bang is good. I enjoy Big Bang. I I've watched a few episodes. It's been kind of the show that I keep trying to get into when I run out of other TV shows to watch. And and I enjoy each individual episode. Like I I laugh. I have fun. I don't dislike it. But there's no like drive for me to go see the next episode. I don't know. I guess I'm weird because <laughs> every other nerd I know, that's like mandatory viewing. There's a show on Netflix called um, Nathan for You. Okay. <laughs> it's so bad. It's a kid. I have to look up and see the actor's name because you've probably seen him. But um, He's a business consultant who he graduated from one of the best business schools in Canada. Um, okay. And uh, he goes into businesses and comes up with unconventional ideas to improve their their business. Okay. It's uh, uh, created and starring Nathan Fielder. I have no idea who that is. I'm looking him up. But, uh, but I mean, he comes up with it's a lot like review, actually. And it's just this very uncomfortable. He comes up with ideas for like viral marketing. He goes into an antique shop and realizes they have a you break it, you buy it policy. So he makes it a 24 hour place and makes it attractive to drunk people by putting pizza in the back and then narrowing the aisles so that almost everyone who goes in there is guaranteed to break something. And gotcha. that's how he wants to improve their sales. It's all stuff like that. Just horrible ideas. Oh, that's funny. So apparently he used to work with, um, uh, he used to work with, um, Tim and Eric and, and apparently he also, he was, cause he's Canadian. He used to write on the CBC show, this hour has 22 minutes, which is basically like the Canadian version of the daily show. Okay. And, and I I know about this. I know about this because Grant used to live in Canada. And so Grant is a big fan of that show. So he might know who this guy is. He also, apparently he was, um, he's guest starred on Rick and Morty and on Bob's burgers. And he played, uh, John Benjamin's boom operator in John Benjamin has a van. Uh, and that was a fun show. That was a fun show. (laughs) So, but yeah, I, 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 he's a great, a great comedian. He's, he's very funny. This show though is so uncomfortable. Is it, is it like Ricky Gervais uncomfortable that you can still watch it? Or is it like too cringeworthy to even watch? Oh, it's watchable. I keep watching it. I'm not going to say it's a good show and I'm not going to say everyone needs to go watch it, but I've enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, it's a comedy central show. I haven't seen it, but I'll, if it's on Netflix, I'll check it out. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the comedy central comedy slate. I got to say. I, I am too. I think, <laughs> and they've done a great job of making their stuff available outside of their network yes they have i mean so there's a lot of stuff we all watch that we have almost not noticed the spinning at the beginning because yeah. it's become so ubiquitous do you, do you watch uh, are, are you a broad city fan yes big broad fan. city's so good yes grant and finally it, discovered it and he was like why aren't we watching this i'm like hi welcome to like the last however many years <laughs> like hi hannibal um hannibal from that show yeah so uh, great his samsung commercial actually makes me like samsung no, no, I know, right? Samsung, <laughs> Samsung. I have to give them credit. Their marketing can be on point. It's not always great, but it's oftentimes the reason I think like Apple fans and Zcash. This, this is a really good segue on my part. I think part of the reason Apple fans sometimes get so angry with Samsung is because Samsung is like the one company who actually like for their U.S. marketing can totally rivals give it back. Apple. Oh, completely. Well, not even that rivals. It's just that they will go for the jugular. Yeah. 
I get mad at them just because of their lack of ingenuity. But their same. Ad campaigns but their are ad good. campaigns are great. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you can like be mad that like they just keep copying the same stuff, and that's valid. <laughs> but like, if I were Apple, if you really wanted to get back at them, just make a commercial where you point out that everything they do is a copy of yours. Yeah. Well, and they Apple did delve a bit into kind of attack ads with the Mac and PC. Yes. Ad world, but. They've kind of moved away from. They have. It's 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 not their brand anymore, and I get that. Like I totally I think they've, understand. They've, in their in their marketing terms, they would have risen above. I was that gonna fray. say they totally think that they're above that. And look, I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not saying that like they need to be getting into the grime. My point is, rather than getting mad when Samsung calls like iPhone users like um, wall huggers, which I'm sorry, <laughs> that's funny. It is because it it's true, and 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 makes fun of the sheeple atmosphere and other stuff in the lines. Like I'm not. I'm just gonna say it. Like a lot of the ads have they resonate because they're they're a little true. And I right. can and that needs to be out there. There's no reason not to no. take that approach, especially if you're the underdog. Exactly. So, but what I'm saying is, is that if Apple's really that bothered by it, from what I people I've talked to, they definitely are. Okay. Well, you know what? Then freaking fight back. Like be <laughs> like then 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 actually just just admit that you're not above it. Because if you're, I, re- I think just I think playing the quote unquote bigger man, bigger woman, bigger company. And just ignoring it is actually a, a like that snub is as effective as any. I think that it is, ad. and certainly at this point, I think that it certainly is. Although I would say with certain things, like maybe in the U.S., they don't need to do that. But it would be funny in markets where like Samsung is selling more than them to be yeah. like, actually, that's great if you want to buy a copy. <laughs> it's it's cool. You're buying. It's I mean the closest they've come, and and they didn't really go this far as like you know. Um, you know, the only iPhone is an iPhone or something like that. Like, like I can't remember what the tagline was. Um, but, but basic, it was similar, yeah. But it was one of those things basically implying, like, it's only an iPhone if it's an iPhone. Like, and that's fair. Like, you well, know. Well, that's, that's spot on because Samsung was trying to make an iPhone. So. They were. And that's the thing. It's like, well, you can go with these other guys. But really, if you want an iPhone, you're going to have to get an iPhone. Like, sorry, guys. It might look the same. But, does it, but you're still going to be a green bubble asshole. And we don't care about you. I will say that the the Galaxy Note line, yeah, was ahead of its time now. Oh, completely, and and the whole I mean, l- let's make no mistake the the six uh, plus and the six S plus are totally a response to that because yes. those phones sold a ton, and really kicked off a whole thing. And 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 Samsung was right about having the bigger phone, the phablet. A lot of us, myself very much included, made fun of it, and I, I still did, think for sure. I, I still think those phones are too big for me. But I totally, um, I mean. The whole reason that they are going to have a hard time, I think, beating the sales success of the iPhone 6 isn't so much that they will never have a phone bigger or better than the iPhone 6, but when by, by creating not just one bigger phone but two bigger phones, they unleashed this demand. Like They finally filled this demand, this void for demand that had been there for so long, not just in the U.S. but in China, that it's going to be hard to ever have like that sort of like built-up you know, we really want this thing again. Because yeah. for a lot of people in, in the U.S., I mean, the number of uh, their U.S. market share freaking soared after the release of the 6 and the 6 Plus because there were tons of people that I know, like and just doing even studies, like I, I do counts on the subway every day. And just the number of the the number of iPhones that I saw after the 6 and the 6 Plus um, increased massively and like they took the place of samsung's because people were like they bought the the galaxy note because they wanted the bigger screen right and then they maybe didn't love the experience right because like software is not really samsung's thing so (laughs) and and it's not really google's thing either like services are google's thing for sure but you know software eh, it kind of it kind of depends and so they're like well you know what actually wait i can get an i i can go back to the iphone and it'll be bigger okay yeah well i remember when i was at ces riding the tram and we saw the big billboard over CES for the Galaxy Note, the first one. Yeah. And we quick mocked up on paper how big that would be and held it up to our ears. And we had a good laugh about how no one was going to hold something that big up to their ears anymore. And now the 6S Plus is fairly ubiquitous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, and and obviously, I think part of it too is they ended up making it all smaller. Like, if you look at that at that original Galaxy Note, it was huge, and part of it was the bezel. The screen was really big. They ended up making it smaller and more small. I think the screen size obviously got bigger, but they ended up like having like less bezel and and, and being smarter with the form factor too. I think the original Note, which I didn't love, 
had like a weird form factor. It wasn't quite 16 by 9 or 16 by 10. It was like a weird, almost, it, it was wider than it should have been. Wasn't it basically a sexy Newton? Kind of. <laughs> and 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 so it was weird. Um, yeah. So it's just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't remember where this conversation sprouted from now. Does it matter? It doesn't matter because I was trying to make a segue into the, the everything in beta link that we've had here for three, <laughs> three weeks now. Three, three episodes, which three is episodes. six weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, look, this was written at the end of, of December and it's now the beginning of February. But I do feel like I would like your take. You know, I kind of agree with this, which is... I feel like Apple's released a lot of good products, but I feel like my biggest complaint with them right now is it does feel like there are a lot of things in beta and things aren't as solid as maybe they could or should be. Yeah, so the the article that I mentioned last time uh, was uh, it was by Nile Patel at The Verge, formerly at Engadget. Mm-hmm. Um, it called 2015 Apple's Year in Beta, and it was res- a response to Gizmodo uh their article, everything Apple intro- introduces year kind of sucked. Which I totally disagree with, but yeah. Well, and he goes on to detail, uh, he's a good writer. Let's he's put it that writer. way. Yeah, he's a great uh, writer. Love, love you, Nile. Have so you had him on he, Systematic? What? No, I haven't. Uh, we There's a certain amount of, like when he left Engadget, right as I was starting to work on Engadget, um, the whole, like, Josh and Nile and all the core people that went to The Verge or yep. became The Verge. I don't know. There's just kind of this. Uh, yeah, but that's been like uh, five not years. Bad blood, but yeah, no. But I would years. love to have him on. I met him. I met him actually at that same CES. I think it was the first time I met him. But anyway, he's a great guy. He he is he's a very smart man. Um, but he goes through the Apple Watch, the Apple TV, Apple Music, iPad Pro. And then to into technologies like 3D Touch and Live Photos and Apple News and all these things that really should have been better than they were. Right. But they were great starts. And they made they they continued Apple's relevance. And then he talks about the 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 MacBook is undeniably not beta. It was an excellent release. Yeah, I, I would agree with that completely. And I feel like Apple Music, I really like. Yeah, me too. I love Apple Music. I've like, actually I'm on the verge of canceling Spotify now. I'm probably not going to cancel Spotify and the only reason I'm not is because I've got the family plan for granted on myself and so I, we're paying 15 for two people and he uses it a lot for some stuff that he does and he wouldn't want to he it would be hard for him to switch sure. to Apple Music and I don't want to force him into doing that. So for me it's just like it's just yeah. easier to pay an extra $5 and still get my own subscription too. That makes sense. I get it. Yeah. But I use it a lot less, and and I love Spotify, but um, I use Apple Music um, so much more. The For You section is one of the greatest things. Yes, like every time I daily, I do. I use that daily too. I mean, I get like great stuff, like like Radiohead '90s B sides. Like that's a great playlist, actually, and that's awesome. Like I'm happy to have that, and. Like, yay, you know, like it, it gets me. And, and even, um, I will say even, um, beats one, I listen to that, um, certainly during the day sometimes. And I'm often like impressed with the sorts of songs that I discover that I wouldn't have discovered otherwise. Cause I don't really listen to radio and they play stuff that's not really on radio. So. Yeah. Well, and they, they, some of the, the segments where they do commentary while the song is playing harkens yes. back to really old radio days. And I enjoy it quite yeah. a bit. I do too. A lot um, of people complain about a, it. I just got a guest list from Nick Cave in my For You, and it is an excellent compilation of Nick Cave and tracks that Nick Cave has been on. I'm a big Nick Cave fan. Yeah. That was good. But um, the Apple TV remote is my biggest gripe of the year. Yeah. A lot of the other stuff I am happy to use until it gets better, but that Apple TV remote, I guarantee they're going to rethink. They almost have to rethink. Everything from the orientation, you, you can't tell when you pick it up. Uh, That's my to, biggest complaint with it. That is, that is my biggest complaint. And I really, are you going to come up with a product for it? Like I don't think so, because I'm convinced this has to change. I'm not going to go into production with a shuttle. For now, right. I'm just putting a sticker on the side that isn't the touchpad. So you can feel uh, it? I can feel it, and I can quickly see without having to pick it up and look at which button is the play button. 
because no. then I have to remember that the play button goes on the bottom and I still no, haven't exactly. quite memorized that. No, I, I pick uh, it up the wrong way all the time and it's so frustrating because I love the device otherwise. Like I honestly, like people who criticize it, look, the TV service isn't there and that sucks. But in, in, in entering in, activating your, your cable TV channel stuff is the biggest pain in the ass. But I think it's great. I love but, it. Yeah, I get aroused every time I use it because I love it so much. Same. And, but and that remote is killing the, me. The remote is killing me. Um, I already know, have a button that won't click. The menu button is stuck. I don't even know why. So my least favorite thing is, is you know, if you, if you get the stupid little... Um, a wristlet thing that they charge you $13 for or whatever because Apple. Um, I got one with my review kit. Otherwise, I wouldn't use it. It sucks, though, because if you want to play games and do some other stuff, obviously, like, you want to get these things because you don't want to have a Wii remote situation where, like, you end up, like, killing your TV or whatever, right? Because that will happen. But here's the worst part. It connects through the lightning port. Yeah. Which sucks because then you need to charge it. So you've got to take the little wrist thing off, and then what happens? You'll lose it. <laughs> so you have two things to lose for your right remote. you do and and it's like really really because i mean you couldn't have just had like a normal like lanyard a that would have let third parties anybody have a lanyard that would have worked no you have to go through the freaking lightning port so that you're you know now you can't pass through and charge it and you will lose this little 13 dollar piece of crap that you shouldn't have to buy anyway. Like if you're going to do this either. And, and honestly, when you have that connected, that does make it easier to figure out the orientation. But again, it's one of those things like the battery life is pretty good, but because it's Bluetooth, like you, you know, I've had to charge mine a couple times, um, since I've had it. Um, yeah, I've only had to charge once since I got it. I think I've only had to do it twice, but, but prior it's to the release, but yeah. You know. So I've had to do mine twice. And I think one who knows might have been some testing things might have been just a, a weird scenario i don't know but like it's one of those things where you're like okay you know i like how it charges i, I appreciate that and i definitely would prefer a rechargeable battery than than um double a's so that's her damn sure oh, or triple sure. a's like i, I would far or even a little nightcad the nightcad is terrible yeah the old one used because there's nothing worse than your apple tv dying remote dying and then you're like well, it's 2 a.m. I clearly can't go out and get a battery now. And so you're like, okay, where's my phone? Oh, shoot. This isn't linked to my iTunes you know, music account because I, I don't have family sharing Apple on. Apple TV remote, uh, mostly because of that sticky button, but also because I was considering prototyping a shuttle. And I cannot get it to connect. It just always says, bring it closer to your TV. So I have it, I've had it set on top of the Apple TV That's for hilarious. days. And it will always say that it's trying to connect and it won't. And this is supposed to be Apple. Do you think that it's because the other one is paired and it can only pair one at once? I've considered that. So I've I mean, because I would, I would <laughs> think that that would be the case. Waiting for my battery to die in my normal, and then I'll try again. But then try it's again. not a big deal. Should you be able to connect two though and play multiplayer games? No, because they will let you have um, remotes for that, or, or, or what call it? They will let you game use controllers. game controllers for that, and they will let you use phones, but they will only let you use one remote at a time. I bought a, an SNES style game controller, and it doesn't work with the yeah. TV. You told me that you said you said that, which is a shame. I, I think that would be nice. I agree. Uh, I would agree. Somebody, I think it was ours. Uh, it was Andrew Cunningham, I think, who did like a, an exhaustive thing about how to play like ROMs on the Apple TV, and it was a ridiculous process of like having to use Xcode and like sideload like apps and all kinds of stuff. Is this on the new TV? Yes. Interesting. Um, and in in it's kind of an exhaustive process, and I was like, yeah, you know what? That's a lot of work. Like honestly, at that point, I'd almost rather just use like buy an arcade system with a ROM right, or, or or even more to the point. Um, I'm trying to think what what's the name of the uh, emulator um for uh for OS 10 that's good. I think it's Emu or something. Um, there there wasn't the last time I heard of the Emu one was back when I used a PC. In 1999. Yeah, no, there was, there was, I'm trying to think what the name of it was. I've, I've got it installed somewhere, but it was um, a, a really good emulator for, for OS X. And mm. just having that, I think, just airplaying that, honestly, would be like a better thing. There was one called Graybox. It was a DOS emulator that could yeah, run Yeah, Graybox old... was good. Yeah. Um, this is going to bother me, so I'm going to search for this because this is going to bother me. It um, would be cool if you could get... The Apple TV remotes and and the kind of application architecture to work with really old Super Nintendo games, but it's called Open you... o o Open Emu is what it's okay. called. 
Did you know that if you click and hold on the right or left side of your trackpad on your Apple TV remote, you get, in most apps, you get a, a fast forward button? Yes. That I discovered that accidentally, and then a couple weeks later, it, an image made its way around Twitter. Um, that I think should be more publicized because there are times when scrolling fast forward and rewind with the trackpad can be very uh, if you're trying to do any small time frame can be very uh, touch and go literally uh, so clicking and holding to be able to just jump 10 seconds is super nice yeah no I agree completely I love that feature and I, do, I use it all the time. I think actually I knew about it because I got a briefing with Apple. And so they showed me <laughs> stuff. They gave you the inside scoop on features on how, that should be touted. I agree. No, it was one of those things. <laughs> well, it, it, that that was the same meeting where they were like showing me TV shows and they like told me, they were like, you know more about TV than any person we've ever brought in here. <laughs> oh, you literally do. Um, like to the point that they were showing me this one scene from Orange is the New Black from the pilot. And like I had to inform them. I was like, like the, the the system, the unit ended up rebooting itself and they were so, it was so good. It rebooted itself. I was like, oh, you guys are really lucky because that was going to reboot that we were about two and a half seconds away from, from naked girls making out in the shower. And they were like, what? I was like, oh, that's the pilot of orange is the new black. I was like, yeah, I was like, we're literally, we were literally like a second away from like the opening sequence where you see like Piper and, um, Alex making out naked in the shower and and I was like that would have been I mean for it would have been me so I would have been fine with it but like if it had been a different reporter that they were doing that briefing on I was like maybe maybe don't use that as an example in the future so okay so does yours reboot um it used to but it hasn't mine still does but it's not regularly like my my second and third gen apple tvs or first and second gen would reboot like hard reboot at least once a day. Now the reboot is so fast on the new Apple TV. You almost don't realize it happened unless you're like right in the middle of a show, which I don't think has happened to me yet. It usually reboots when I'm trying to open like Netflix or Apple music. Um, like all of a sudden you'll just, you'll just see a flash of the Apple logo and then go back to the main menu. It's amazingly fast at rebooting. So if you can't fix the random reboots, make them faster. Yeah, I agree. Did you also know that the bottom half of your remote is glass and can be smashed? Yes, I didn't know it could be <laughs> smashed, but I knew that it was glass. I have seen a few pictures uh, over the last couple of weeks of people who discovered that by dropping a glass on their remote or whatever. Well, and, no, because uh, it well, does it, shatter. Oh, totally, it does. Of course, it does. Because I mean, it's it's. I mean, that's the whole thing is that it's. It's a glass trackpad. That's why it scrolls so well. Honestly, that's why it feels so good. But this isn't the trackpad part. This is the bottom part. Oh, I didn't realize the bottom really part was glass too. It really would make more too. sense as hard plastic. Yeah, Apparently, that's true. there's some kind of thin, if it's if not glass, uh, like a poly coating that yeah, I was can shatter. Say, that makes sense. Yeah, that seems like an odd choice to me too. I really, I do firmly believe that this remote will see some design changes. Uh, even if you just moved the button set down a little bit so that it wasn't perfectly symmetrical, it would solve so many orientation issues. Did this show just become about the Apple TV remote? I think Is it that... did. And I think that's I'm I'm good with that. Because <laughs> it's annoying. I, I, I it's uh, um, I use it daily. I do. I love it. But which it's means. Annoying. Well, which means that a slight annoyance becomes a daily annoyance. So it is top top of mind for me when I think of things about Apple products that are annoying me right now. Next time we'll have to talk about... Did you get an iPad Pro? Yes. I want to talk about it. I haven't been able to justify the expense, but... Yeah, I it, I mean, I have a long-term review unit. And if so, my own money, it'd be hard for me to justify it to. I mean, it's it's great, but... Um, for what I do, I, I don't think I could justify it myself. Yeah. One of my local dev friends has one and I, I want one. I will say that, but I also want a MacBook. Like I, my, my yeah. Retina MacBook I love Pro MacBook. is great, but I miss my MacBook air. I think that when I, feel the, like, I feel like they're going to come out with an update with some of the new, you know, Quorum stuff that, that, yeah. that's been updated. And I think when that happens, um, I'm going to actually buy one. I'm also really holding out hope that they come out with it in rose gold because if they do, <laughs> like, honestly, I'm so there. It's not even a question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I love the pink. I love pink. 
I, apparently there's a market for it, so there you is. may see it. There is. People like me who will buy the pink anything. Yeah. There was something I... I keep losing my train of thought, which I guess is fine. This is the show to do this it on. This is the show to do it on. All right. Well, that was a full hour. That was a full hour. That was fun. It was. Um, I guess uh, we should sign off. We should sign off. So where can people find you online, Brett? I'm TT Scoff everywhere and at BrettTerpstra.com. I'm film underscore girl most places. Christina Unvine and Periscope um, and Peach, which that's I'm, a, I'm joking. No one's actually using Peach. Um, and uh, my you can find my work at Mashable.com. And uh, you can find Overtired at on Twitter at O V R T R D over Overtired. Overtired. And so uh, tired. You can also find us on iTunes under Overtired. And you can leave reviews there. Yes, and that really helps us. Like rating and review us really helps. We we know that we have a small but loyal audience. We love you guys, so please like. It's actually not as small as you think. Well, looking at download numbers. Really, I yay! Thank you guys for for downloading (laughs) and listening to us. You know what it was? It was us talking about Ken dolls. It was that was what did it. That was our breakthrough. That was our breakthrough for sure. Ken doll sex fantasies. All right. All right. Nice. Well, it's this has been fun, and we're still on a bi-weekly schedule, but yes. that may change as uh, as our numbers grow and and sponsors come in. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to sponsor our podcast, please reach out to us because we'd love to tell the whole world about your product and service. Assuming we like it. I mean, like well, obviously, is, we're sure you're great, but we do have to do a little bit of vetting, just you know, because we we can't just advertise anything. <laughs> If you work for the Ted Cruz campaign, for instance, there's there's no way that we would advertise your product. Well, we might take your money, but we wouldn't. We say might. Things. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, hey, Christina, get some sleep. Thanks. Get some sleep, Brett. The system is going down low. Knock knock. Who's there? Little old lady. Little old lady who? I didn't know you could yodel. <laughs> oh.